Welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. Vialto is your ally in mobility, tax and immigration solutions. We spark meaningful growth for your business and your people. At Vialto, we push the boundaries of global mobility, powering positive outcomes in business and beyond. Our teams partner closely with you, providing extensive expertise and seamless tech-enabled experiences so you can mobilize a dynamic global workforce and unlock potential. Hello, and welcome to the On The Move podcast. I'm Raha Tarabi, and I'm a U.S. immigration attorney with Vialto Partners in Toronto. If you've joined us in the past, you'll know that On The Move is a Vialto podcast all about the intricacies of global mobility, whether it's the tax issues, travel, or my favorite topic, immigration. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. We're glad to have you along. If you've got a workforce that moves around the world, we're here to help you sort through all those fun things. Here with me now is my co-host, Oliver, who is also a U.S. immigration attorney with Vialto Partners, also out of Toronto, Canada. And later, we will be joined by a likely familiar voice and special guest. Hey, Oliver. Hi, Raha. How are you? Good. So I think I know what you're going to say, but you ready to talk about some football and immigration? Oh, absolutely. You know, immigration is what I do, but football is my passion. I am a huge Packers fan. I'm actually a Packers shareholder. We had the 49ers on the robes, but we blew it. It's been my experience the last 10 years. We've been forever the bridesmaids, never the bride, but someday. (laughs) I don't really have a favorite team. I think my favorite team would have to be the Raiders, maybe, just because, again, through many, many, many family members loving the Raiders, I have no idea why. I cannot name a player. I have a jersey for whatever reason, but It's just a good game, in my opinion. Moving on to today's episode of On The Move, we're really looking at the world of media as it relates to football. So specifically focusing on foreign media as they travel to the U.S. for major sporting events. So the upcoming Super Bowl, it's in Las Vegas. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of media around the world. It's America's game. You know, they all want to come in and see how, how they do it in the U.S., but Really, I think the question we want to answer today, Oliver, is how, how do they get here? What what do they need to get into the U.S. for this specific purpose? So we want to really explore and understand the immigration and visa programs that are available to specifically foreign media in the context of coming to the Super Bowl. But before we get there, I just wanted to let you know, I mean, you're listening, so you've obviously found us on some platform, but we are available on all major platforms for streaming, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Just please make sure you download, subscribe, and rate us. And just tell us how much you really love us and want to hear more from us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vialto Partners. Feel free to leave comments on how much you love these sports-centric podcasts in the comments of our Instagram page, just so you can hear from us again and again on all immigration and sports-related content. All right, so let's get to the topic of the Super Bowl. So we're going to talk about it again, like I said, not in the way most people think. But before we dive in, let's talk about the Super Bowl exactly and why it's a big deal. And really, I'm going to defer to you, Oliver, because that's your ballpark. Yeah, thank you, Raha. So I don't think many people know this. Um, the Super Bowl is actually kind of a marketing moniker. 
the Super Bowl is the annual championship for the NFL, but it didn't used to be called always the Super Bowl. So back in the 60s, there used to be two competing football leagues. One is called American Football League, and the other is called National Football League. They're actually competing with each other. And then somebody had the brilliant idea, instead of competing with each other, why not merge together? So the first kind of a couple of championship game that these two separate leagues that played, they actually called it by the creative name of NFL and AFL championship game. And of course that doesn't have cachet, just listen to it. So I think it's the third version of this championship. Somebody called it the Super Bowl and uh, here we are. So I think most people know that in America, professional football is the quintessential Americana, American culture export. I think something like 47 out of the 50 most rated TV shows annually are professional football games. But I think what a lot of people don't know is it's also a huge deal internationally. I think last Super Bowl, it was aired live in 190 countries with 80 broadcasting partners in 25 languages. And it's only getting bigger and bigger as NFL tries to expand its market beyond that of the U.S. You did better than I could ever do, Oliver. So thank you for that history. And I didn't actually know that. So that's pretty cool. Let's hear a little bit about your relationship. Like, who's your favorite team? I think we talked about it, Packers, right? Why Packers? What's the appeal? This is a question I've been asked quite often. It's kind of a rather frivolous reason. Um, I came to Canada as an immigrant when I was 12. And at that time, you know, I didn't know a lot about the sport, but the jersey that they wore just happens to be the exact shade of green. That's my favorite color. Their best player at that time, Brett Favre, wore the number four, which for most Chinese people is kind of an unlucky number. But for some reason, it's always been my favorite number growing up. So you have the star player wearing four, the team wearing the exact kind of green that I love. Um, so that's my team. Now, in terms of why I fell in love with the sport, <laughs> I think very early on, I knew I didn't have the professional you know, athleticism to be a professional athlete. But uh, what I kind of enjoy doing is just looking at the strategic aspect of the sport and almost kind of imagining yourself as a coach or a general manager putting the team together. I would say in terms of most team sports that I enjoy watching, soccer, basketball, baseball. I would say football is the most tactical. Every single play, it's almost like a static kind of a, kind of a, this is a, maybe a little bit out there, but kind of like a war formation. As in these two teams have a thing that they want to accomplish through their scrimmages. And it kind of combines my two favorite aspects of, of things that I love. One is the competition, the physicality, but also the strategic element. And that's kind of what made me fell in love with the sport in the first place. That's pretty interesting, Oliver. I think, you know, a lot of people really love the strategy that goes on behind football. Personally, I didn't really realize the strategy that went behind it. I've only recently gotten into football. I love every sport, but football has always just kind of been to the side, you know. I went to university and law school in the U.S. and, um, you know, Michigan State College football was the most. I really had any interaction with football before that. And so I actually really got into it because of Netflix, not Taylor Swift. I know what you're thinking. I am a Swifty 
sort of, but I actually got into it. There's a series on Netflix right now, and really that kind of opened my eyes into the strategy and everything that these football players go through. So how does the media aspect of the Super Bowl tie into immigration? I know they're just so so far apart really when you think about them, but they're actually pretty related. So what we're gonna move into now is really talking about how all of these intersect and come into one. So when we're bringing, bringing together immigration, international media companies sending their teams to the US really covering the Super Bowl, what does that mean? We're looking at Vegas. Vegas is filled up with celebrities. I heard that they've run out of private jet parking, you know, so that should tell you how much Vegas has attracted the attention of everybody around the world. So I think talking about celebrities and, you know, really high profile people, I think it's really a good time for us to introduce our guest host and current host of our very successful Celebrities on the Mood podcast. Based out of our Vialto Partners, Los Angeles office, U.S. immigration attorney, Shai Dayan. How's that intro, Shai? Raha, Oliver, I think it's only apropos that you bring in the native-born American to talk about America's game right now. You guys uh, did a great job, but uh, I think it's time for the big guns to take over. <laughs> Shai, we're, we're ready for you anytime. Let me tell you the funny thing, guys. I love sports. I am into to sports. I, I know the sports. Football actually is one of the sports that has completely fallen off of my radar as um, I have uh, matured. Um, when I was younger, as a, as a native New Yorker, I was uh, a fan of both the Giants and the Jets. And that's weird, I know. But um, And then life got in the way, and there's just so much time that I have. So I primarily focus on basketball, baseball, and European soccer, tennis these days. So while I'm not up to speed with uh, the current happenings of the NFL, I must say I know all the rules. I know what the red zone is. I know what pass interference is. I know what the flags mean. So I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Are you sure you know what pass interference means? Because I'm not sure the NFL knows what that means. When you interfere with a pass, it's pass interference. It's very, it's very simple. <laughs> it's supposed to be, but uh, not really in practice. But, you know, look, I, I will watch the Super Bowl because that's what we do here in America. We, we eat chicken wings. We watch the Super Bowl. We fill out brackets and try to make money off of games. And here we are. I'm ready to go. So let's talk about anything you want to talk about when it comes to football, immigration. Let's just do this. All right, Shai. So then let's hear a little bit about how it would take to cover the Super Bowl, arguably one of the biggest events, not only in U.S. sport, but across the world by the foreign press. So what are we looking at in terms of the options for press to travel to the U.S.? Well, yeah, you know, the press is really important, right? Because without the press and without the media, we don't have the sensation that is sports. You need the media and you need the press in order to cover it so that we understand what's going on. When we're discussing the foreign press, coming to the U.S., and more and more, the foreign press is covering the NFL. The first type of visa I look at is what's known as the iMedia visa. And if any of you <laughs> have been listening to Celebrities on the Move, which I hope all of you are listening to because it's phenomenal, you'll know that the U.S. visa system is notorious for using these combinations of letters and numbers for all their visa classifications. My co-host, shout out to Rekha Simpson in Dubai. She loves to refer to the U.S. immigration visa classification system as the alphabet soup of visa categories, and I agree with her. 
I'll tell you, that's one of my favorite parts of that podcast. It's a running joke. And every single time you guys talk about a U.S. visa, I just wait for her to make that comment. And it's so true. You never really think about it. But talking about the I visa, Shai, who does that cover? What are we talking about? TV personalities, podcast hosts, journalists? <laughs> okay, Raha, these are great questions. So the uh, iMedia visa category, it covers a pretty broad range of what's known as media representatives from radio and film to production companies and your standard journalists. There are specific requirements that you know each type of representative would need to meet. But generally speaking, it is broad enough to cover a wide range of journalists, reporters and foreign press in general. So when we're talking about the foreign media and, you know, coming in, are they not just covered under the business visitor category? Like, are, what are they doing in the U.S. that covers them that wouldn't cover them under the business visitor? This is a very good question because a lot of people, they default to uh, thinking they, they can come to the United States with business visitor visas, right? But in this situation, when it comes to the foreign press and it comes to the foreign media, the Department of State, the U.S. Department of State specifically advises that representatives of the foreign media who will work in their profession as media or journalists while in the U.S., they cannot travel on what's known as B business visitor visas or the visa waiver program. So, you know, business visitor visas, the B1 visa, for those of you who want to know about the alphabet soup, <laughs> um, the B1 visa is for things like attending business meetings or attending business conferences and things like that. What the press is doing when they come to the U.S., that would require a formal work permit because they're going above and beyond what you would do in a business meeting or just a business visit. So that's super interesting. One would have thought, you know, for something like the Super Bowl, where it is we're talking about maybe one week, that there will be some more flexibility for these kind of an easier type of visa for the media to get to be able to just get in and out. So I guess it's not quite like that. So what are the requirements of the I visa? What would a member of the foreign press, so for example, from the UK, uh, would need to document evidence in order to obtain the visa? So first and foremost, Oliver, the activities in the United States while on an iMedia visa are going to be for bona fide representatives of the foreign media traveling temporarily to the United States so that they can engage in activities um, associated with their profession that are essential to the work of the foreign information media. And that means that activities in the United States, while on an iMedia visa, they must be for information media organization that has its home office in a foreign country. So activities in the United States generally must be associated with the gathering and reporting of journalistic information. And, and to that end, you know, there are a number of different categories of permitted foreign press members that would qualify them for the iMedia visa. But when we're talking about foreign press coming to cover this particular event, which is the Super Bowl, the category of the iMedia visa that we really want to hone in right now on is what's known as a foreign journalist traveling to the United States to report on U.S. events solely for a foreign audience if the journalist works for an overseas media outlet having its home office in a foreign country. Oh, that's very interesting, Shai. When we think about who would qualify for foreign media, I guess it is a pretty safe bet that a major media company abroad that most people have heard of, it would be a pretty easy visa to obtain, correct? 
Oliver, 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 you should know as an immigration practitioner that nothing when it comes to U.S. immigration uh, is easy. So tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes to U.S. immigration, when someone meets the qualifications for a visa category, I prefer to use the word approvable rather than easy. The last thing I want to tell anybody, especially a client, is it's easy to get you this visa. I like to say approvable. So, you know, of course, there are important considerations in terms of the independent qualification of the journalists and media representatives themselves. Uh, The most important thing is making sure that they are able to provide the required information at the time of application to meet the I media visa requirements that I mentioned above. And then if, you know, we have a case that comes before us and they're able to meet those requirements, then we can tell our clients or we can tell the specific applicant, hey, you have what we call an approvable case. So that sounds good. You know, fair enough. There's no there's no one size fits all category for certain people. And not everybody's a slam dunk, if at all, in the immigration world. We get that. But when we're talking about the iMedia visa, the the Super Bowl is coming up, right? It's less than a week away. And what about timeline, right? What if somebody says, oh, my gosh, I've been under a rock for the past six months. I can't believe it is already Super Bowl time. I need to send somebody over. What Can they do that? Can, can we get it that fast? The iMedia visa is going to require the applicant to appear for an appointment at a U.S. embassy or consulate outside of the U.S. And depending upon the consular post, the waiting times can be lengthy. So last minute assignments may not exactly be possible. As with all visa categories, I always like to advise clients and applicants to prepare as far in advance as possible. As for the process to get an appointment, the applicant, they have to complete a consular application. It has to be submitted, and that's known as the form DS-160. So last-minute appointments might not really be possible with all that has to be prepared in order to get somebody ready for the visa appointment. Okay, but let's just say for argument's sake, Shai, how about there's an appointment available. It's five days before the Super Bowl weekend, and I've got an appointment. What does that look like? Yeah, so if you can get the appointment and the uh, interview is successful, so when you get to the appointment, you present your supporting documentation and the officer is impressed, uh, the visa issuance itself, even after the visa is approved at the appointment, it could take up to five business days in most cases, but it could last longer depending upon the individual and the consulate. Um, it's not impossible, but I would say the timing is definitely tight. Look, if it's uh, it's Super Bowl week, right? And if you haven't, uh, and you want to come to the United States to work for your foreign media organization and you don't have the visa yet, I don't know if it's going to happen for you. It's, it's quite late in the process. So it could happen, but the odds are against it. Oh, wow. So I guess we cover what not to do. Don't send your people to the consulate with five days to go. But assuming we are not under the time crunch, what are we looking at in terms of the supporting documentation we we should bring with us when we go to the consulate interview? Right. So, you know, the eligibility that one must demonstrate um, is that they are a bona fide representative of the foreign media whose activities are essential to the functions of the organization that they are coming to report for. So, and that's specifically with the visa category we're talking about when it comes to journalists and reporters who are coming to cover the Super Bowl. So remember, the iMedia visa is broad, but we're focusing in on those media members who are coming to cover the Super Bowl in a few days, right? So the consular officer at the U.S. Embassy 
they're going to make a determination whether an activity is qualifying in order to obtain the visa. So generally speaking, the supporting documentation for this type of iMedia visa should demonstrate that, number one, you represent a foreign media outlet. Uh, number two, you're coming to the United States to engage solely in uh, this you know, media representative profession. And number three, the media outlet has a, a home office in a foreign country. And this evidence usually comes in the form of a detailed letter of support that the foreign media organization provides to the applicant. But let's be honest, the applicant has to speak well, make his or her case, and ultimately you know, impress the consular officer so that they can qualify for the visa. I guess it's one of those, just from that example you gave, it's, it's one of those, there is not a single piece of evidence that is make or break, but you do need to provide sufficient evidence to demonstrate the three things you just talked about. And you know what always helps, Oliver? It always helps to have the right attorneys to guide you through the process. And we at Vialto, of course, can do that. But anyway, this is informational, right? I'm not trying to pitch Vialto. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, you've got to be able to present uh, the information to the officer uh, clearly and show that you're eligible for the visa. And oftentimes, an attorney will be able to help the applicant do that say you you do pick the right attorneys the right group to represent you and get you through this process you know so it's very important you get the visa issued right yeah because then that way we can you know more confidently go towards that issued visa and go into this next thing of what what's the timeline look like you know how long are they allowed to be in the US for you know are they able to extend their status in the US you know, because I know we, you know, various visas have different limitations. What does that look like? Yeah, this is a very good question. So, you know, most visa categories, they have specific limitations on the duration and they can often be extended from within the U.S. on a, you know, as needed basis. iMedia visas are appropriate for foreign information media representatives coming to the United States for the duration of the qualifying employment. Now, that includes long-term assignments or very short-term projects. So, you know, we can see people coming on the iMedia visa who are in the U.S. reporting for a foreign audience on U.S. events for a few years, and we can see them coming for a weekend to cover the Super Bowl. So um, it's, it's really interesting. But once the assignment has concluded, no matter how long or how short the assignment was for, it's on the visa holder to depart the United States when their reporting activities in the U.S. are complete. So I guess applying to Super Bowl and more importantly, this specific Super Bowl in Vegas, like, are we talking about the next day? You know, it's still Vegas. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of these foreign press don't have a ton of opportunity to go to Vegas. If they stay for an extra day or two to just enjoy the festivities, would that be an issue? I mean, look, we have to look at, at a reasonable departure time. So the Super Bowl finishes on Sunday. But let's be honest, I think reporting on the Super Bowl can last days after the Super Bowl. I think, you know, some of the U.S. media outlets are going to report it for another few months. It really depends upon the circumstances of the specific reporter who's covering the events. But uh, I think the expectation is that they should probably depart, you know, in the days after their coverage of the Super Bowl has ended. And when their coverage of the Super Bowl ends depends upon the assignment that probably was stated in the letter of support that they presented to the consular officer at the time of application. 
That makes total sense. And I guess somewhat follow up that to that question. It seems like the I visa is kind of event specific in that you know you're here in the U.S. to report an event. The NBA Finals is in June. Would the same person who covered the Super Bowl say they have to cover the NBA Finals? Would they need to do this process all over again for the NBA Finals, or or no? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say it depends upon how broad the application was when the individual made their、um, application appointment、uh, to the consulate. You probably, when you make your application, want to be specific about what events are going to be covered. Is somebody covering all American sports in general? And is here for a year to cover all American sports, or are they here just to cover the Super Bowl? So then again, it goes back, and it depends upon what the letter of support and what the information provided in the initial, you know, interview at the consulate or embassy stated. Again, it, a lot of this depends upon the consulate and the country of citizenship for the applicant.、Um, in terms of how long the visa can be valid for, we have reciprocity agreements where the U.S. will. Only a lot of visa for a certain period of time, based upon what the country that the applicant is from offers. Similarly situated U.S. citizens traveling to their country. So, for example, if the U.K. generally issues a visa like this for 60 months or five of years, if you don't like math, I just did the <laughs> math for you. <laughs> Thank then, you. Then、uh, you know the U.S. is not going to issue a visa for longer than that. Okay, so so with that math, when we have someone with a multiple entry visa, you know, valid for those sixty months, five years, every time they enter, I assume we're we're talking about, you know, they still have to go through that CBP immigration officer, and each time they're talking to that officer, explaining what the purpose of that entry is, having a new letter, possibly. Yeah, I mean, officers are going to ask questions. What are you coming to the United States for? And if somebody says I'm coming to cover、uh, this specific event for a foreign audience. They probably should show a letter of support. They should be able to explain at a very minimum what they're coming in to do.、Uh, officers want to know this information. That makes sense. So one last question for you, Shai. What about family members? Just you know, high level, are they able to travel to the U.S. as a visa holder, especially Vegas? I want this answer to be yes, because if my husband was a journalist and he was going to the Super Bowl, I'm on that plane next to him. So Raha, if you were a journalist and you qualified for an iMedia visa. You can tell your husband that he would be in the clear.、Uh, hypothetically speaking, iMedia visa holders are able to have their spouse and their children, who are under 21, accompany them, and、uh, they can apply with or after the iMedia visa is issued to their principal family member. So yeah, Raha, if、uh, that were the case, your your husband would be in the clear. Good. I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> So thanks so much, Shai. I think、uh, you know we really learned a lot from your expertise. As you said, you you know we brought in the big guns for this for this conversation. Appreciate appreciate all of your expertise. You really enlightened us on the world of iMedia visas for sure. And I think personally made the topic of the Super Bowl and immigration really come together. So thank you so much, Shai, for for everything you've brought to this discussion. Absolutely. I have just a few more points I have to make before I leave. Number number one,、um, <laughs> I really don't care who wins the Super Bowl, the Forty Niners or the Chiefs. I just want to see what happens with Taylor Swift and、uh, her boyfriend, whatever his name is.、Um, a lot <laughs> of Travis people, Kelsey. Sure, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> whatever happens between the two of them, there's a lot of talk. So let's see what happens with that. And、uh, number two, I hope the commercials are good. That's all I have to say. You know. 
Yeah, fortunately, we don't get the commercials here in Canada. That's that's one of the downsides. You don't get our commercials. We do no, not we get don't. them. We no. get the Canadian version. This is incredible. I did not know this. We go on YouTube afterwards. <laughs> oh, another advantage of being an American. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. So my favorite one is the um, the one with the Mean Joe Green with the Coke uh, with the kid. You know, asking, giving him a, a a bottle of Coke, and then him tossing his jersey. I think that's like the seventies. That's my favorite one. Hmm. I enjoyed a, I enjoy a good frogs saying Budweiser from the nineties. Oh. That was that was a good one. But uh, you guys, you guys were great, and um, I hope that I can hear some more podcasts from the two of you going forward on our on the move platform. So, uh, listeners out there, if you want to hear more from Raha and Oliver, uh, let us know. Thank you so much, Shy. And again, if you guys want to keep hearing from Shy and Rekka and all about alphabet soup of the immigration world. Make sure to listen to Celebrities on the Move, same platform every month. They have an amazing and interesting topic to talk about. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Shai. Bye, Shai. So Oliver, if you wanted one takeaway from this conversation, what would it be? I think my biggest takeaway is if it's five days before the Super Bowl and you haven't gotten your visa, you are in trouble. I agree. I agree. I think my takeaway is make sure you also have really good representatives. Again, you know, Vialto Partners is and amazing. that's what we're here for. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, so with all that and with, you know, understanding the iMedia and now we're going to be looking at everything, at least I am, at the Super Bowl very differently as I watch it, wondering, okay, well, when did you get your visa? Is it multiple entry? I think it'll, it'll make it a very interesting show for me to watch. And just like Shai, I'm also interested in the Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift uh, of it all as well. So uh, I'm really excited to watch Super Bowl. This was lovely. This was so much fun. And I really cannot wait for the Super Bowl. At the same time, I cannot wait to do more of these with you. Same, Oliver. I can't wait to talk more about sports, athletes. Let's find something interesting to bring those two worlds together. I feel like immigration is a very broad topic. We can really tie it into a lot. So I can't wait to do this again. So please, 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 let's leave some great comments so that we can be back for you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners Global Network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. Vialto is not responsible for any errors or omissions or for the results obtained from use of this information.